We are back. The microphones are plugged in now. Take two. Welcome to FES uh, as we continue the very long and arduous march to the A-League finals. My name is Jason. I'm your host. Joining me are the boys in the studio. Firstly, it's a very warm welcome back to Dave after a week off. Hello, Dave. G'day, Jace. Good to be back. Uh, terrific listening last week whilst I was on my travels. So you guys put together a very good show. And long and arduous it is. You know, this, this actually is a great argument for just having first past the post, isn't it? Well, does A-League season go too long? I know a lot of people complain about it not being long enough in comparison to European leagues, but does it go too long? I think we just need more teams. You know? yeah. I think everyone's just... Com- combination of it being stale with the same teams over and over again and uh, the fact that first and second have already been decided. New teams for no promotion relegation. That's, is that your opinion? Oh, look, I'm, a, I'm an idealist at heart. I'd, I'd like to think one day we could have yeah. promotion and relegation in the future. Geez, straight into the I just want to get in touch on but, you. Um, you missed last week. Yeah, yeah. And look, obviously there was a fallout from the Tony Rising episode. Um, look, I'm, I'm a believer that it can't happen in the short and medium terms, but, mm-hmm. you know, in the long term, it should be something that we strive towards. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, welcome to the Man of People, Buds. Hello. Good, thanks. Yeah. Uh, I'm here too. Yeah, you are here. Uh, Sorry, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I think make what we have better. Lift the cap, put more money in. I don't like. We do need more teams, but the fact of the matter is that there's four good teams in this league, or there's one excellent team, one excellent team on their day in us. Yep. Two pretty decent teams in City. And maybe Brisbane Wanderers. Brisbane when they want to be, Perth when they want to be, and the Wanderers are in a bit of form. Uh, lift, lift the cap, get some more money in, get better players in, and make what you have better before you look elsewhere. Yep, but we must uh, march on ourselves this uh, this week as we uh, as we get to the business end of the season. Uh, lots on the show today. Actually, I probably lie. It's not that much compared to previous previous <laughs> weeks, but still listen to us. It's still all right because I tell you what, in a few moments' time, um, we're going to have something quite uh, quite big to share. But uh, on the, this week's show, the match review against Wellington, Moment of the Week returns, Victory Secret, which is what I just alluded to. Uh, a Victory Secret, which has... I guess the the capacity to change the game or turn the James Teresi contract situation on its head, I think. It's a bit of a zinger. Yeah, could be. And then we'll also preview the upcoming match against Central Coast Mariners. The music theme this week, in continuing with our classic album theme, uh, Buds did it two weeks ago, I did it last week. Uh, this week it's Dave's turn and uh, regular listeners of this podcast Love it. Should expect, they love it, Jace. Should expect nothing but the best from Dave. Uh, what kind of metal slash heavy rock <laughs> album have you got for us this week? We're going way back to the 70s, the absolute godfathers, where it all began, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. And, uh, Why is this it a is classic where, album? This is where, I guess, heavy guitars and metal had their origins. Uh, Back then, no one was doing what Sabbath were doing to the extent that they did. And uh, Paranoid, you know, probably their best album, but, um, you know, probably carries their most recognisable songs in terms of, you know, mainstream penetration, I guess. So I've picked that one. And, uh, yeah, I think, look, it's so classic. They even did a classic album show on this album with... uh, 
Tommy Iomi and uh, Ozzy Osborne and all the other guys. So, yeah, sit back, turn the lights down, enjoy. Black Sabbath, I can approve of that. I know Black Sabbath. So let's, uh, let's get into it. You are listening to For Vuck's Sake. delve right into our sponsors. The first one is Ambrosia Fold Designs, as seen on the block and married at first sight. You can find them at Unit 1, Number 15 Assembly Drive in Telmarine. They specialise in all things floral, weddings and corporate events. Ambrosia also, also offer floral workshops, which make great gift ideas. They are open by appointment only. Call Leanne today on 9338-3609 and mention FVS to receive a 10% discount off the next order. Just speaking about the block, obviously, as uh, they're featured on uh, Ambrosia are featured on the block. You know the Gatwick, the halfway house yes. in St Kilda? Channel 9 have actually bought that. Oh, did that go through, did it? I think so. Mm. So they're gonna, that's going to be on the next uh, series of the block. That'll be interesting. There'll be a lot of destitute people on Fitzroy <laughs> Street now. Yeah, even, true. Even but more than there is. Well channel, done, Channel 9. Channel Very 9 good. make a few more dollars. Very good. Match review against Wellington. Wow, where do we start? How do we start? A dire 3-0 loss uh, against Wellington. It, it went in much the same vein as the last time we played them in Wellington. Victory just don't don't turn up for the, the games that aren't Friday nights or Saturday nights sometimes. And they, they like the big marquee fixtures. A, a, kind of a, a gloomy su- Sunday night, 5pm. And uh, the crowd was okay. I thought 17,000 wasn't the worst. The quality of football was quite awful. And Melbourne Victory made a uh, April Fool's Day joke that they were going to bid for a Big Bash licence. But the only cricket score that happened uh, occurred on the weekend, and that was 3-0 uh, to Wellington. Dave, you're back. Chief analysis of Avak's sake. Give us your thoughts. How did you see the game? It's amazing to think that the last time Melbourne Victory graced Amy Park, we put four goals past... Perth played some scintillating football. Probably the best football we've seen in the league all season. And we turn up last night at Amy Park and put on an absolute diabolical horror show. It was nothing short of disgusting. Um, apparently, it's, apparently it was a member recognition round. A lot of members are so unhappy with being recognised this way. So that performance is a slap in the face to the members and the 17,000 people mm-hmm. that showed up yesterday. I got myself up from a massive hangover to go to this game. And How I'll massive? tell you what, let's just say uh, <laughs> several bottles of wine were consumed during the course of Saturday. It's heroic, Dave. I'm proud of you, mate. Well done. Well done on getting out of bed. And, uh, you know... <laughs> You get yourself up for it, you have a shower, you get the train um, with very little desire for a dead rubber sort of game. Mm. As you said, crap time. People are talking about full-strength beer. I mean, who cares? It's Carlton Draft. You know, talk to me when there's a decent oh, full-strength beer. Oh, look at the beer snob here. Now. Uh, if it's, not, if it's not Indian Pale I'll turn it back. Yeah, yeah. But 
Sunday games in general uh, are very hard to motivate yourself for because you've got to go to work the next day and everything mm-hmm. like that. But this was just unbelievably bad, and I'm not ashamed to say that I left early. But let me ask you, I, I would say uh, you look at this starting 11 and you would say this is our best starting 11 going into the final series. This is the team you probably want starting the, on the pitch. And no matter how much you talk it up, they they did so a lot of uh, over the last week about how much these games mean to the team and, and the team chemistry and so forth. But it just looked like the players didn't want to be out there for what was a dead rubber. Apparently it's the first home game at Amy Park. We've uh, lost that in more than a year. Uh, third defeat in four games and comfortably our worst display this campaign. Uh, the man of the people has his ear to the street and I pick up these vibes. So that is why I stayed home and made Chivapi. <laughs> and I stayed home and made Chivapi. I would rather do fucking housework and cook, honestly, than go and waste my time and money to watch a shit show that anyone that has a half a brain knows that those players were not going to turn up yesterday. They were not going to turn up. Kevin Musket should have done what the man of the people told him to do last week. That's he right. should have fucking played the kids because what I saw yesterday was slow, they were disinterested, there was no imagination and there was definitely no individual brilliance on that pitch. Not even the guys that will turn it on like Choice or Rojas in general didn't give a shit. Didn't give a shit. Not short of a run, played two games the week before, been played all season, give them a rest. You brought kids in last week when they weren't going to play, play them. And they put up a good fight, the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we were lacking polish. I didn't get to comment on that game, but they, you know, gave a good count of, of themselves. Mate, these guys, it's the third and fourth. These guys, ever since second has been sewed up, these guys haven't given a shit. They don't look like they give a shit, and it's we've touched on it before. I think Ned Zelich was the first one to touch on it. Melbourne Victory need the bright lights on Friday night. Mate, Australian Eastern Standard Daylight Saving Time, I think we said too. Yeah. It's not Daylight Savings anymore. That's the clock's true. clicked over. They were still in bed. Their performance was still in bed. And I don't buy into this whole malarkey around second spot being locked away, therefore we have to take our foot off the gas and all of this. Look at Sydney FC. They've had first place locked away for some time. Come out with excellent wins away to Perth, smash Melbourne City last week as well. Um, I think different You, you don't see though. them you know, serving up a steaming pile of shit like we got served up last night. And, um, you know, they deliver these things when, you know, obviously they've still got their mind on the prize. Yeah. Finals are coming up. You don't want to go into finals with this kind of momentum. As you said, three losses in four. How does that bode well? When we're coming up against teams like the Wanderers, who are, you know, on a great run at the moment, mm-hmm. who will probably be one of the teams that we might meet in that semi-final. I think different circumstances with the Sydney FC thing. They have a record they want to chase, the most wins, the most points in a season. Uh, so I think it's a different situation. We're we're second and we can't move down or up. Or so, it's just yeah. it's it's a bit of a different a different thing for us. Are you concerned though because the performance was pretty awful? Are you concerned? about the ability for this team to actually come good? Is this is this worrying for you or are you just putting it completely down to the fact that we had nothing to play for, therefore the motivation levels were completely low? Nothing to play for, no motivation. The guys just didn't give a shit. Um, clearly, because the same old guys that kill us when we played them, and I think it was the same scoreline over in Wellington uh, from that uh, earthquake-affected game, I think it was the Tuesday night, 
Yeah. I think that's where the whole narrative about us being that's on what Friday it was. nights that's came from. Same thing. How's the synergy? Bonavaccia and uh, Krishna smashed us. That's mm. smashed us. What was it like being there to watch and those smelts. guys? That free, that free rain. It looked like. Yeah, yeah. I look, um, when the first goal went in, the vibe was very much like, oh, yeah, they've got an early one, but mm-hmm. we've got the cattle here tonight. You know, re- the returning international players uh, to be able to, you know, claw claw that goal back and and you know take. The ascendancy, but uh, once the second goal went in, uh, <laughs> it really felt like you know you have to think: is there, is there a chance where we're just having an off night? But there were some touches out there in decision making that just from from the moment we started looked really bad. Jason Garrier had an awful, awful game. Yeah. You know, his touch was all over the place. You know, missing. Missing opportunities and making the wrong decisions, but um, yeah, and up front, you know, Barisha seemed like he was more interested in, you know, marshalling the midfield than he was getting on the end of anything uh, attacking. Well, he's been he played as a number ten for uh, for Kosovo, so maybe he's warming to that role now. It's just uh, yeah, well, the, look, we got plenty of number tens. We need strikers. Yeah. Do you reckon that went out? Do you reckon? Do you reckon it's too much of a stretch for the victory guys to stay focused and get good night's sleeps and keep it up on a Sunday? Do you reckon? Do you reckon that's Saturday nights their their night out? Oh, are you saying nights? perhaps perhaps the, uh, the the stars of the show are on the on the turps night yeah, before? I reckon, perhaps I reckon it's getting towards that end of the season. They've yeah. got things they've got things uh, sewn up to make finals. I think the the usual thing is uh, maybe a Saturday night outing. I reckon Musket might be a guy that's like a like Wayne Carey was back in the nineties. You know, yeah. you, if what worked in the season works for you, you keep going till finals. You don't change your, you don't change up for nobody. Yeah, that's right. I reckon, I reckon the boys got on the turps. That's all I can think. I find it really hard to be critical about this game because I didn't go because I knew it would be a shit fight. Um, had better things to do. Yeah, and I find it, I, honestly, I find it hard to be critical. I found it hard to want to come in here and talk about this game like it was crap, but I knew it was going to happen. Yeah, and Wellington were clinical. Um, we have to tip our hat a little bit. To, to Wellington, they, they, they came off a, a really big win against Newcastle, 4-0. So they got two clean sheets in a row, smashed two different teams and, um, you know, are on a bit of a run themselves. So and they've always had a strong attacking contingent in their side, but they just weren't able to get going earlier in the season under Merrick and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, they're coming home strongly. You're just gonna have this. Sorry, you're just gonna have these games. These, these games are the circumstances of the A League. This is just the circumstance. It's, mm. get, it's getting to the end. People just want finals to happen. You know, things. Some teams are locked in. Some teams aren't. You can see what's happening with the other teams, like Western Sydney. They've got a lot to play for to get that top four spot. You know, they've got a lot to prove. It's just it's a mentality thing. It's yeah, seriously but- a mentality thing. We're not lacking skill. We're not lacking a game plan. We're not lacking talent on the pitch. It's it's all between the ears, I think, with us. But I guess there's there's a risk there with having that mentality that you bomb out in straight sets in the finals. Now, look, I I'd like to think that you know some switch gets flicked when when you know we play our first finals game and and this poor run. We put behind us, but um, yeah, I'd rather go in uh, into the finals with a winning record under our belt. So I hope I hope that you know it is just an aberration. So I third match against Wellington this season, and f- even though we won one of those games six one, you'd say all of those performances against Wellington have been quite poor um, in comparison to some of other, uh, some of the other performances we've put together this year. Uh, could they be becoming our bogey team? I'm not going to answer that one, yeah. mate. 
me and the whole history of nominating clubs for bogey yeah. sides is um, fraught with risk. But um, I, look, I just think when when you look at the side that Wellington actually have at their disposal, as I sort of touched on, they've got some great attacking prowess. And, you know, we know all about Costa Barbarousas and Guy Finkler and the kind of threat they provide. Um, You throw Krishna into the mix and you throw one of the league's leading scorers in Smelt, who, yeah, he's past his prime, but he still knows how to find the back of the net. And he's one of he's a bogey player. He is. For the buck. Big time. 16 goals he's scored against Victory in his career. Yeah, it's stupid. I think Wellington have no fear of coming to Amy. We suck against them over there. That's no no problem in saying that. Yeah. They just never turn up at Etihad. There's something about that ground they can't play at. So mm. that's where we always have our big win against them for the year. Um I, I don't know against them. I think I think it's the way they structure up. Certain teams structure up, and um, we, we've we've had many defensive problems this year. And I think Bonavazio and Krishna, even when Wellington lose, those guys still make a, a fair fist of it and cause trouble for any defence in the A League. Yeah, I think it's well established that this is not the norm for Melbourne Victory. It's possibly a game that we lost because we don't really give a shit about what what the results are right now. But are there any concerns with you guys in terms of our depth at the moment? I'll read out to you who was on the bench for us uh, yesterday, and that was Nick Ansel. Obviously, he's not going to provide much more than what Donaghy does when he comes off, uh, comes on for him. Mitch Austin, who I thought had a really great start to the season but hasn't really come along, has had interrupted uh, you know, spurts because of injury and uh, perhaps poor form, I'm not too sure, but he hasn't really provided too much um, continuing on from his early season form. Mahazi, we are speaking about Mahazi before, he's just one of those bit-part squad players. He's not, he's not going to pr- provide too much. And then Jai Ian, which is an interesting one because he's he's floated in and out of the, the starting lineup and has had varying roles throughout the season. You know, some bigger than... He's had bigger roles at some stage of the season than others. But he's, his end product isn't, isn't there, really. Are you concerned about what we're going into finals with in terms of depth? Definitely. Um, two reasonably big earners have not been replaced in Bazanich and Beister. So there are two vacancies in the squad overall uh, where we don't have uh, any kind of cover. Now, that's not to say that, you know, we don't have a good starting eleven still, but what it does mean is that one if one player goes down or two players go down, we're, we're starting to dip into players like Theo Harris and George Howard, um, who, you know, I would have liked to have seen them have an opportunity yesterday, but the depth has fallen away a little bit. And I guess, you know, coming back to what Bud said, you know, yesterday would have been a good opportunity to perhaps give a little bit more time to a Theo Harris type. Um, Mahazi was getting some love from the South End uh, last night, which was good to see. Uh, I think he's become a bit of a, you know, cult sort of cult hero. Yeah, perhaps. Puts in. <laughs> yeah, probably a yeah lot exactly. Of, a lot of them probably had money on him to score a yellow card in a certain <laughs> time bracket, which is always good value. Um, what more can be said? I think you're spot on with what you said, Dave. We have one foreigner spot and one marquee spot that were wasted, that haven't been filled, and... We go into finals missing out on a foreigner and a marquee spot. So um, should we have an injury? 
then the depth will be tested. But at the moment, we have no excuses. It's just attitude. It's attitude and it's the way it's set up. So we must live and we must learn and we must beat Western Sydney because this, this is the litmus test this week. I think, I'm telling you, we may see the exact same thing happen in the last round against Central Coast. Yeah. Um, this one's the big one this week. Kevin Musker did play kids last season against Brisbane Raw, if I'm not, uh, not mistaken. Last year. Last year against Brisbane Raw when they were going to win the uh, the Premier's Plate. We played, I think, Primarily kids or yeah, an unstressed team. We were, we were balls deep into our Asian Champions League yeah. campaign at the time and there were, I think, a couple of players missing on international mm. duty, maybe a suspension or two, and he threw a few kids into the starting lineup, and we you know, eked out that nil-all draw, preventing the Raw from taking the Premier's plate. Yeah. So Muscat's so, proven that he can do it. Maybe but he does it just... as a last resort. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't do it as a, as a test. I think you may see something this week. I uh, saw an update. Um, some press today. He does what he doesn't usually do, and he's gone to town. Yeah, he's um, criticised the squad, criticised the players, um, really given a few backhanders in there, which he never really does. I think we were commending him last week on how mm-hmm. after the Brisbane game on how he always goes into bat for the kids and always defends and will generally take a lot of the heat on himself. And he's Kevin Musket, so no one really presses him too much. But he's um, he's come out on the front foot today. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a few changes this week. A lot of those kids that played last week also didn't line up for the youth team in the MPL this week just gone. Did see that. And there'll be one force change thanks to the brain fade from Alan Burrow. Um, you know, so Nick Ansell will play. Can I just say how surprised I am that it's taken this long for him to get a red card? I said this at the start of the season. I looked, his, I looked at his highlights and he loves a slide tackle, yeah. a very dangerous slide tackle. Uh, yeah, this was, this was coming a long time ago. Um, so amazing that it's you know, taken 24, 25 games for it to actually happen. Is Gary not suspended as well? Yes. We lost two defenders in about 30 seconds. Mm. So I guess, look, part of this could be the whole get the cards out of the way before finals, but don't they... Erase yeah, the card erase, count yeah. anyway. So no, there's no strategy, uh, strategy about <laughs> it. It's just fucking plain stupidity. Uh, votes, buds. Uh, thanks to people who did vote through our social media channels on Facebook and uh, also Twitter. I know it's very tough to find people it's who. It's so hard asking people to vote after these games. Yeah, but we have to keep doing it for the integrity of our really esteemed, for fuck's sake, player of the year. Transparency. There's just so much integrity. Filtering through donkey votes after these ones, too. And how's our sponsor going, Dave? Have we got any movement on our sponsor, potential, for fuck's sake, player of the year sponsor? Yeah, there's a few little things happening in the background yet. I'm going to have to uh, reconnect with that offer that came through. We yes. won't delve into it just yet, but someone has put their hand up to potentially be a naming rights sponsor for the FBS oh, Player of the Year. Naming rights. Now you get big exposure being a naming rights sponsor of an big FBS exposure. award. But nevertheless, let's get, let's get on to the votes. Who, uh, who were the votes? So, Dave, do you want to say something first? Oh, no, you go with the votes first. You sure, mate? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. <laughs> he was waving his arms frantically yeah. around. Flapping more than Tandover laughing. <laughs> oh. uh, three for Brox, two for Carl Valeri, and one for Danny Georgievsky. Yes, one of the only uh, players in the back four who can hold his head up high. We'll talk about Georgievsky in a few moments' time, uh, about his move to, uh, to Newcastle, as we talked about last week. Dave, what did you say? Just say? off the pitch, very briefly, let's just touch on the fact that despite the fact that it was a, a very sombre and dark experience, we're starting to see over in that corner of the north end 
a bit of a resurgence, uh, and I think it's worth our while mentioning yep. the resurgence of this group, referring to themselves as Back Row Melbourne, so that's at Back Row Melb on Twitter, or just search Facebook. I think, you know, we're starting to see a bit of a perhaps revival of something in the North End, um, and these guys are obviously, you know, looking to rekindle something. Um, and I think that's re- it was really noticeable during this game, you know, the, the, the spirits were low, uh, crowd in South End was pretty... Pretty quiet, it has to be said. Um, enthusiasm was pretty low. Um, so it was good to see and hear that corner again firing up. They've been there all year. Yeah. They were pretty big in yeah. the Geelong game as well. They were huge but at Geelong. I guess now they've put some sort of official uh, sort of campaign around it, you well, know, social, social media, media and all of that. I yeah. think they're probably realising that um, the club released an email or release a few weeks ago um, condemning the actions of those in Sydney. Um, for those who didn't know, there was a bit of a punch-on, a bit of a scuffle um, before the Sydney FC away game back in early March, I think it might have been, or maybe February or something like that. Uh, and I think the club wants to move next year to start controlling more aspects of the North Terrace. I think, you know, they wanted to... Uh, to get that up and running throughout the year and there was some would you say some standover tactics from from some people some some, some corners of uh, of people who wanted to get involved in in you know reviving active support but albeit a uh, a club sanctioned action uh, active support yeah and that's failed i mean yeah. look look the, the whole that middle those middle terraces are unoccupied yeah. um there was a couple of weeks where something was happening but it's clearly not going to rub with yeah. the long term Passionate North Terrace people who you know want to maintain some semblance of uh, independence. Yeah, but from the sounds of that release, it seemed like the club were going to move forward next year, regardless of whether well, fans wanted work. to work with them or not. But hopefully, this uh, this back row Melbourne. I'm not too sure if they're taking responsibility or not. If they're work, willing to work with the club, um, it's it's an interesting thing. Maybe someone from back row Melbourne can contact us and be a guest uh, yeah, in the coming I'll, weeks. I'll put some feelers out and see if anyone wants to talk. Yeah, I'm sure there are guys from that crew who, who listen to us. So if you do want to come on, whether it be a phone chat or in person, come... Send me a message. Yeah, send us a message. Uh, now, I think it's time for Amendment of the Week. Yeah, what do you do, you know? Um... When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's... Amendment Jurakovic. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's This week's Minute of the Week uh, comes from uh, overseas, in particular the United States of America, where I'm about to head off to in about four days' time. Uh, I'm heading to Chicago, uh, which is. Apley. Oh, what a city. The Great place. city, mate. Yeah, well, they have a, a team called the Chicago Fire, who recently signed Bastian Schweinsteiger, the German maestro, uh, and he fielded a press conference over the last week in, in which he was asked by a Chicago journalist, who it must be said was not a sports journalist, was just, I think, a general uh, writer who was told to uh, to cover this, this uh, press conference. He asked Bastian Schweinsteiger if... Uh, if Chicago Fire could theoretically win the World Cup and the uh, hilarity ensued after. Uh, yeah, just a funny thing. I think it's also the the, fall, the fallout from it. Soccer Twitter once again going into overdrive and this guy was receiving, you know, 
threats of violence against him, this journalist. Yeah. So he had to, he had to appear on a local uh, sports show, I think, the day after and explain his actions. And he, was, he looked legitimately terrified. You never, never, never stir up soccer Twitter. What are the ultras at Fire Court? Is there the Whiskey Boys in Section 8? Section 8's the main group there at the Chicago Fire, and there's you know, various little subgroups. Yeah. Lots of crazy Polacks. Lots. Yeah. Chicago's full of them. We have a few of those in the, in the we terrace do. as well. Shout out to Marcek and James. <laughs> yeah, who, who for fuck's sake live got me in a lot of trouble because they smashed shot glasses outside the pub. Uh, uh, but a cheerio to those mash. blokes as well. Uh, section 8, uh, that, that uh, crew had a, a banner this week at the Chicago Fire game, is that correct? Yeah, um, I love Chicago and Chicago Fire. I spent some time there a few years back. Um, three or four months um, I was living over there in Chicago and very close to my heart and um, the Carpo stand that they have there at Section 8 at Toyota Park had a nice little bit of signage there on the weekend just gone. The uh, World Cup insignia for Road to Russia. So beautiful bit of piss takery there on their part and uh, running with the whole joke as it, as it happened. And I think Swanstriker might have scored as well. I think. Did he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, didn't get to see the game itself. Oh, uh, you, missed sorry. Out. you missed out on an absolute cracker, mate. MLS. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. So uh, for those who, of you who haven't listened to it yet or just want to listen to it again, we're going to play the, uh, the audio from that, that press conference. So enjoy. And uh, this week's Member of the Week, it goes to that journalist whose name I didn't even check. With your addition to this team, is it a fair expectation to see a clear pathway towards a World Cup uh, competition come out of Chicago? He's referring to the World Club Cup. Like, he's referring to the World Club Cup. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, the World Club Cup. He's just saying, let, let me rephrase. Uh, do, do you expect now that you're here, Bastian, that uh, World Cup uh, goal for Chicago Fire is a realistic expectation? So the World Cup, well, not the World Cup. We, we as a club don't play for the World Cup, but it, we'll adjust it to MLS Cup. Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Brainwash minds. Oh, larger. The next sponsor with For Buck's Sake is the LIT Services OWL. Apparently, I'm saying it wrong. It's the L. Makes a hoot. Does. You can contact Pete at the Owl IT Services for help on anything IT related. You can reach Pete on 1-800-843-695 at the Owl IT Services. They give a hoot. And uh, is there a countdown to Greek Easter? Hey, there is, <laughs> Greek Easter is actually on proper Easter this year. It's the same Ooh. day. Same day. So you have to get in quick. 
get We're in. About time I caught up with the Gregorian calendar. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's let's do some victory secret. It hasn't been around for a while, so let's hit the music. Victory Secret. Victory Secret returns, and uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, this has the uh, the capacity to really blow the uh, the James Teresi contract discussions uh, right up, and I think it'll add a new a new kind of uh, spanner to the works, shall we say? Uh, last week, it was reported uh, by David Davidovich that uh, Melbourne City and also Sydney FC had discussed the uh, proposition of signing James Teresi, and it was a bit of a nothing article at the time. There wasn't there weren't, weren't too many facts or anything like that. I wouldn't have thought. And of course, everyone's going to want James Teresi. Every team that has the capacity to do so will talk about the possibility of signing him. Uh, so we didn't really think too much of it at the time. This came within. Four or five days after James threw threw his arms out and openly said, "Show me the money." Yes. So someone has shown him the money, and we believe uh, a victory secret from our source, who we believe to be uh, connected to someone at Melbourne City. Uh, we believe that Melbourne City have offered James Teresi a contract in excess of one million dollars to be their marquee player. Now. In contrast, I think our current marquee player, who we just let go, which was uh, Oliver Bazanich, is somewhere on the vicinity of around about three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand dollars. So that means it's more than double what we offered Bazanich. Uh, I think, from memory, uh, Barish is probably around about the seven hundred and fifty to eight hundred thousand dollar mark. It's not quite Tim Cahill money, the uh, the amount that they're offering James Teresi. Yeah, and which these I, are all rough estimates anyway, but yeah. generally speaking, that's sort of ballpark, yeah. But what we can say for, for sure is that Melbourne City are throwing the kitchen sink at him. Now, we've had players go from Melbourne Victory to Melbourne City before, but not on this scale. This has the chance to just change the dynamic of perhaps Melbourne football. Maybe that's being a bit too dramatic but it has a, a chance to really add a new dimension to this rivalry. Thoughts? If they're prepared to pay $1 million per season for James Troisi, um, then they're overpaying. That's my first thought. So you're thinking, if they're going to offer that much, we don't match it? No. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that for $1 million per season, you can attract a player of a far greater calibre uh, than James Teresi with, with respect to James, and I'd love to keep him, obviously, but that's just crazy money, um, in my opinion. And if, if we're, we're led to believe that the words have more or less come from you know, some pretty high-up Melbourne City people, mm-hmm. overheard in conversation and, and whatnot, so... Yeah, there's some legitimacy behind this. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I think obviously we need to throw the kitchen sink at James, but not the entire kitchen, if you know what okay. I mean. So I think it's quite reasonable for us to pay James six, seven, and perhaps even eight hundred k per season, probably. You know, that, that, that seems like a reasonable amount to pay for someone of his calibre, you know, who dominates at this level, 
uh, still of a very good age and is obviously an Australian, so it doesn't take up a foreigner spot. Buds, it seemed like two weeks ago this was a no-brainer. We have, we have a guy that we know is a proven A-League beater. He's, he's classes above this league, but he's willing to stay for a sizable pay increase. So it seemed like a no-brainer that we'd keep him because, you know, there's that whole discussion where let's let's spend the money on a, or let's spend the marquee money on someone from overseas who has got a good pedigree from overseas and has, you know, applied, you know, his trade in Europe for, for quite a while. But so many times we've seen players like that who have come over and have failed. So what camp are you in it? Do we, do we stick with... James Teresi, who we know can match it at this level and actually not match it, he can go well above this level, or do we say, you know, that's a bit too rich, let's look uh, for what we can afford in, uh, in Europe? When that article came out, mm. we all looked at it and we went straight away, hmm, that's his agent leveraging for more cash. Yeah, totally. He did it. Yeah, he did. He's done it. <laughs> so then we sat there... And we heard this come from our source and we discussed it together and my first thing was surely he's not that much of a uh, see you next Tuesday. Yes. And then I think it was we were like, yeah, yeah, he's got to show some loyalty to us, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of crazy money. He'll never get that anywhere. He won't get that anywhere else. Maybe back in the UAE or Qatar and he's he's stated he doesn't really want to go back there. Yeah. And then it was like, hmm, this guy's had 10 clubs. Mm -hmm. So maybe showing him this kind of money, he doesn't have any loyalty. Yeah. So with a guy like James, who hasn't really ever stuck around anywhere and he's come out and said, show me the money and his agent has... Leveraged and looks like he's done a half decent job. And Melbourne City have thrown all their money in the world around to try and get a title this year, and it doesn't look like it's going to happen. We actually have to go and get James. We have to show him the money, I think. I think it's crazy money to pay for him, but we can't lose him. Yeah, well, the City roster. We can't lose him to them. It's, yeah, it's it's a massive statement, and it would just, mm. mate, uh, it, it would actually crush our supporter base because he is now loved. He's well loved mm. from our supporter base. But, um, but the, the flip kid, side of that, sure, he is loved. Surely he knows that. And if the difference is staying at a club, you know, where you know we've a couple of times now resurrected his national team prospects. You know, if the difference is, you know, two to three hundred K per season when you're earning that level of coin, is that a price you're willing to pay to be basically seen as an outcast, a, you know, a betrayal and to move to there directly? Mm. I mean, we've had players, as you, as you mentioned, Jace, that have moved there before, but there's often been a gap. So Fred went after a bit of a stint elsewhere yep. and Kill did similar. They've taken a couple of players off Deganzic us directly. Was like probably De- the biggest, biggest fuck you to victory, I think. Yeah, yeah. and as is Bayich, I guess. But um, oh, so, <laughs> yeah. so, I mean... The question is, is he willing to know that he's going to walk away from what he's established at Melbourne Victory? Um, and I guess, yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the off-season. Really interesting to see. The club probably going to have to hold a few more 
dinners f- with Archie Thompson at, <laughs> at, at three grand a head or something like yeah. that. We can't be short of a quid to pay for this seriously. Exactly. We've got the money. Yeah, but a million? Yeah, we've got the money. Well, like, we've been cheap. We've been cheaping out on a marquee for a couple of years with Bazanich. If those figures are correct with what we were paying him, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we we have we've barely paid a foreigner like good good money mm-hmm. that to the extent that other teams are. Um, it is big money. I don't disagree with you, Dave. It's big money for this landscape. We've got to, we've got to put it in Australian terms for this landscape. Our fucking massive football code that's got all the money in the world, AFL, some, like, uh, this, it's still a big deal to get a million-dollar player in that, yep. in that, in that sport. Yep. Uh, and, and rugby league as well. So even our cricketers, you know, there, there aren't too many sports people in this country earning a million bucks a year just from base salary. Uh, alone, so it's huge money for Australian sport. Um, we have to do it. It's just, it's a flag in the fucking ground statement. If if City were to to get him, it would be a big kick in the guts for this club. Especially if City go on and then win a championship with James Teresi as a uh, as the anchor, it'd be it'd be. I don't up. want to think about it'd be that. Fucked up. Uh, let's talk about Georgievsky. Uh, it was confirmed over the weekend, uh, was it the weekend or perhaps late last week, that he is moving on to Newcastle Jets. He has signed on with them. Uh, he'll finish up at the end of the year. Disappointing. Uh, as I said, I believe well, he's one of my favourite players just because of he's infectious. I think he's a really good person to probably have around the dressing room. He's a really funny guy. Uh, at the same time, though, for all that he brings to us, he does have some flaws. It's it's not the end of the world, is it? No, it isn't. Um, and look, I think it's sort of a natural evolution. You know, he he's still a very good A League quantity, but is he the best fullback that you know you can attract in this league? I guess he always had a bit of a a value to him being an international for, for Macedonia, yeah. but at the same time. Australian citizens, so, you know, he didn't count as a foreigner. Uh, but, look, it's sad to see him go, but obviously, um, you know, he's, his family's from New South Wales, so that gets him a bit closer there. He's got a young family. Um, they would have offered him something that we weren't prepared to match. That's what it would, would have come down to. Yeah. So there's a few parallels there, obviously on a smaller scale. But, mm-hmm. you know, if we're paying him, you know, let's say 250 per season... Newcastle can probably throw in a little bit more and he moves back home. Let's not forget as well, he signed on to the victory on a one-year deal when we won the championship. There was a a fair amount of uh, rigmarole around him re-signing for for a further term and he would have been one of those players that would have demanded a, a pay rise once we won the championship with Fahid Ben Kalfala, those those two both came out of contract after the championship year. So naturally, you do have cause to uh, ask for a pay rise. So with him leaving and also Fahid Ben Kalfala, who we expect to, to leave, I don't think there's any chance he's staying uh, past past this year because he's, he's playing games. So I assume that a deal's been done for him to be released out of that uh, or... F- that clause not to uh, to hold any any sway right now. So there's there's actually a fair amount of, a fair amount of money. I think it's going to be in the salary cap moving forward to next season, which is exciting. Interesting with squad dynamic too. Uh, now that Broxham looks to have moved straight into the midfield, now isn't going to be taking up that bit part role if Georgievsky's out of the team, etc. Be interesting to see what Musket does for next year. 
what kind of defensive structures he puts in place. Is he going to start moving to a back three for next year? Because Ange yeah. did it. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who knows? He, he loves copying what Ange yeah. does. Oh. Um, Daniel was so dynamic when he came to us in the first season. Absolutely dynamic. He was the first player I wanted re-signed. At the start of that following season, I called him as possibly our most important player from what he brings. Um, he was scoring every now and then as well. It's just, I think it's the right time for him to move. He's a championship player, gave it all, busted his ass for the club, told Hart fans where to go. Yeah. It's, it's on record. He'll forever be remembered for that. Yeah. You know, at Eddie Had. Yeah. yeah. Sticking um, it up him. Yeah, it was superb. He's great. Uh, on the never to be booed list. For Absolutely. All, for all you Vux out there. Yeah. So wish him all the best. There's some further rumours as well floating around Twitter, and we don't like to uh, to regurgitate Twitter rumours, but it seems like there's a bit of credit to this, and that is that Mitch Austin might be on the move again uh, to Newcastle Jets also. So there's, that's the third player that's been linked to Newcastle Jets from Melbourne Victory. Obviously, Georgie FC is gone. Fahid Ben Calafella has been linked to Newcastle, and now Austin has also been linked to Newcastle. So... They're going on a full-time raid of us. He's sick of sitting on the bench, and I think Newcastle yep. is sick of being shit. Yeah, pretty much. Newcastle are really moving and shaking in this off-season. Apparently, they've been talking to Roy O'Donovan. That may have even been confirmed. Uh, not entirely sure, but you know they're making some waves uh, in the transfer market. And who they have? Didn't they sign someone who then went to? Korea, wasn't it? It was... Uh, Dimit Petrados. Petrados. So they... Yeah, well, they got fleeced at the last minute. Yeah. They had arranged to get Petrados from Brisbane when his contract expired, but then that Korean club swooped in. They yeah. must have found some cash. I think I heard um, them talking on Fox yesterday. Well, they got the Chinese owners. Yeah, they, um, they're, they're trying to just bring a whole new culture change. I think it's, it's, there's a lot gone wrong there. and They haven't made finals, I think, for the last five seasons. They... Um, it always looks like a sleepy Sunday town, but they are a bit of a sleeping giant. They could get serious crowds there if they were fucking half decent. Oh, it's a football heartland. It's a football heartland. Yeah. They, could, they could be a really strong team consistently if, if they could just get it right and just get the Very results. Very proud which, history which, yeah, in that which part they don't of get. Australia. They don't get them, so... Yeah. So, Oliver Bazanich update now. Uh, he Ooh, appeared, yeah. debuted for his new team, Vent for it, Kofu, I think. Very is good. The, uh, yeah. Number, number 21 at the... Uh, Japanese place that I like to go and to would, with egg noodles. And yeah. would you believe it? He was all right. They were singing his praises. Yeah. <laughs> had, a, uh, had a volley that almost went in in the first couple of minutes of the game from the three-and-a-half-minute YouTube clip I saw. Interesting kit they wear. Looks good on his pale pale skin and ginger hair. He really stands out in the J-League, does Oliver. So just really typical of players that we've let go in the last year who just go, uh, go off and dominate elsewhere. But, you know, you know, he just didn't fit the, the right mould for oh, us. Good luck to him. What yeah. about standing in that game? Some good goals. Lots of Brazilians going around in the J-League, so he might enjoy his time there. Billy Seleski used to play for that team as well. Okay. Yeah. What happened to Billy Seleski? Nice little fun fact there. Wikipedia says he is still playing for Vent Fort Corfu, oh, Okay. their current list says he's not. So I think Lagoya is just... Purgatory. He's probably back in Kilo or wherever he lives. Yeah, he's another one that... 
should have shouldn't have really left, but I guess he's made a decent career for himself, travelling different uh, countries. So um, on that Tracy news, we'll see what happens. Uh, it might uh, be reported widely um, over the next few days. I'm not too sure what will happen, but hopefully he stays. I'm I'm in the camp. He stays. Dave's probably in the camp of no. Oh, look, I want him. I want him to stay, but yep. I just think for for that kind of money, we can get a better player than James Tracy. Have to keep him. He'll only sign a one. I reckon he'll only sign a one-year deal if we do keep him. But as long as we've got Rojas, we have to keep Tracy and Barisha. We've got to keep those three together. Third and final sponsor of Avak's sake is the No Fix Address Walking Tours. It is their mission to provide employment to Melbourne's marginalised and disadvantaged individuals through unique walking tours of obscure areas. As a proud sponsor of FDS, you'll get 20% discount off any two tickets or more with the code VUCK20. You can find them online and claim that order or discount rather at nfacitytours.com. Looking ahead to the next match, which is against Western Sydney Wanderers, I didn't write down what day this was. Does anyone know? Contains. No, that's right. It doesn't really matter. It's on the weekend. Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers, once again, a game with nothing to play for. It is away uh, over there in New South Wales. A game with nothing to play for. We are second. Do we play the kids? Yes. We're going to be missing two players in uh, Garia and also Alan Burrow. Initial thoughts on this, gentlemen. What do you think? Saturday, seven fifty at ANZ Stadium. We're at the uh, the Olympic Stadium out in Homebush. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, they're in hot form. Arguably the form side of the league right now. Um, that midfield triumvirate. I just wanted to say triumvirate of uh, Antonis, Nichols, and Martinez clicking beautifully right now. Uh, old mate Brendan Santalab on the end of a lot of joy. That they're producing um, last week. Yep, um, they've really tightened up at the back as well. Ever since uh, Vedran Yedovic arrived at the club, yeah. a little bit more stability. You've seen, you know, Popper, you know, in those successful years that he had um, with Western Sydney earlier on. You know, they never changed their back four, and that's what's happened uh, in recent weeks. And even Robbie Cornthwaite. Just going to talk about corn crap. Sco- corn crap. Um, He's been getting on the score sheet too. He seemed A League journeyman. He seems to still have plenty to give at this level. It's all about that, you know, stability at the back. You know, they've got the decent, half decent goalkeeper in, and you know, it's Aspro, Cornthwaite, Clisby, and Neville every week in recent weeks, and that it really is the key. You build from there, and as I said, the midfield. You know, Antonis. It took him a while to get going, but we know that you know he's a quality, quality attacking midfielder. Um, and Santalab has, 
I guess, graduated from being, you know, an impact player to being a serious goal threat from the beginning of a game. Dave, as the, for fuck's sake, chief analyst, you have a keen eye across the, uh, the league in its entirety. Heading into finals, are these four teams that are outside the top two in uh, Western Sydney, Wanderers, Brisbane, Melbourne City and Perth, which team would you like to get and which team would you like to avoid in our semi-final match against? Very good question without notice, Jason. Um, look, I think I'd, I'd prefer to play a Perth or a Brisbane mm-hmm. at home. I just think we match up reasonably well against those two sides. Western Sydney, um, you know, they'll, they'll have a huge travelling contingent for that semi-final and, you know, it'll be, it'll be a cauldron-like atmosphere. I wouldn't want to play them in the form they're in right now um, and I don't really like the idea of meeting up with Melbourne City mm. in such a game either. So I'd prefer a Perth or a Brisbane uh, in that scenario. Yeah, that match against Melbourne City, the semi-final that we played when we, when we won the championship, the, the build-up was nerve-wracking. It was so relieving to actually beat them, but uh, if you lose against Melbourne City in the semi-final, Jesus Christ, we are all fucked. Mm. Yeah. So, I don't know, Western Sydney... They've played. What they played? They played Wellington City and Newcastle in their last three, and have they all? They've all been in New South Wales, pretty much. Look, nine goals in three games. You can't argue with that. Um, I also think it highlights how uh, having something to play for influences the desire and the result. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've had their backs to the wall all year, and they've underperformed all year. Very much so, and it's they've got an opportunity to really make a dent into the finals this year. Agree with that. And what's happened to them is that the Asian Champions League campaign has galvanised them. They have a bit of a sense of purpose about them now. Um, whilst you know perhaps earlier in the season yeah, there was a lot of chopping and changing. Uh, so look, they're a dangerous prospect, and I think you know away on the road, given our form, I think they'll uh, beat us two one. Young yeah, say two 0 loss to uh, to the Vuck. I think they're by no means as good of a squad as ours. Um, they just believe in themselves and they're gunning for a top four finish. ANZ Stadium though, happy hunting ground for the Vuck. Bessart Barisha hat trick last time we played them. Uh, I think it was in December. Yep. Maxi Beister's only start for the club. If people remember what that game. Back yeah, then. he didn't play that well. Um, I reckon Kev might wield the axe in this one. So. With Burrow and Gary are gone as well, I'd be ecstatic with a 1-1 draw. Mm. So it'll be Ansel to come in for Burrow. Who's he going to play at right back? Will he bring in Stefan Negro? Negro has to be Or will he push Brox back there and perhaps start Mahazi? Oh, I th- oh. Play the kids. Play, play the, the kids. kids. Play the kids. Yeah, I'm all for Stefan Negro coming in. Um, you know, Georgievsky at left fullback. Persist with Brox and... Mm. Get some continuity into him. Yeah, yeah let's not, let's not keep changing combination. Broxham. If you're going to start um, Broxham uh, as a defensive midfielder heading into the finals, you need continuity into him. That's his best spot. Yep. Yeah. They'll throw everything at this one too. This will be a fiery game, so you might need you might need a Brox in the midfield, but then you might he might think that too, and that's when he's generally thrown Mahazi into the mix as well. Kev, he's generally thrown Mahazi into these kind of games where it's going to be very, very scrappy in the middle and hard fought. It'll be interesting to see if Kev does what he did um, for Brisbane the week prior and he reverted to a 4-3-3, so a flat sort of midfield three with 
Mahazi, Broxham and Valeri. Uh, you know, a little bit more grunt in the midfield. Perhaps that's an approach that he might take knowing that the Western Sydney, I guess, goal-scoring prowess from midfield is pretty good. Antonis, Martinez, and even our old mate Butters, Mitch Nichols, uh, mm-hmm. can find a goal from midfield. Absolutely. They haven't beaten us in a while. They haven't beaten us in the last four. So we've, um, we've had the wood on them. Uh, we're their bogey team at the moment. Well, I think this will be their best chance to, uh, to beat us finally. I think we'll leave that there. Uh, a reminder that this is my last episode. Um, so I'm heading off to America for about three and a half weeks. So the, the, uh, I guess the podcast is going to change a little bit. Uh, the uh, the esteemed Rudy Edsel uh, is stepping in in my place. He's going to be hosting the show. Uh, Dave and Buds will still be there, but we're moving from the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios to where, where are we heading? The Green Saint Wedge. You're going up to the Green Wedge. You're going yeah. up to God's country, yeah. <laughs> as the locals like to call it. So, uh, yeah, Rudy Edsel will be with you next week uh, and also the week after that. I think I return just after the semi-finals, so depending on how that game goes, we'll either be wrapping up the, the season or we'll be previewing a grand final. So uh, hopefully we're, we're previewing a Let's grand final. Let's hope it's the latter. There have been a few people already booked flights to Sydney. Yes, and uh, yeah, also heads up as well that the podcast probably won't be out on Monday nights for the next couple of weeks. It'll probably be on Tuesday mornings slash Tuesday afternoon, so just uh, notice, the, uh, the no- notice the difference in time there. Uh, so until next time, I'll see you later. Buds, thanks for, for coming on. No worries, mate. Thank you. And Abdevo, thanks for coming Pleasure on. Pleasure as always. Well, uh, well, I won't, but these boys will see you next week. I'm on the VARC. Come on.